following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Kia ora koutou. My name is Ruben Munn, and I'm the pastor of Shaw Community Church, uh, not Grace City North, although the question's been asked. But uh, we are Shaw Community Church, but we are just so pleased to be joining with Grace City and Grace City East to do this royal series with you. Uh, some of you might have been part of the Mosaic series that we did last year, uh, and that was a lot of fun. We got a lot of good feedback on that series, and so we thought we would do another one this year. So we're joining together to do this series called Royals. And in this series, we're going to be looking at some of the Old Testament kings, uh, just a few of them, well, nine uh, out of 42 kings, we can't cover them all, uh, nine over the next nine weeks, and looking at what we can learn from these kings, from their lives, from their stories. Uh, I want to encourage you to engage with this series, uh, not just through these messages that you'll hear on uh, Sunday mornings from myself and Jonathan and Brad. Uh, but also there's a, a personal devotional guide that you can get a hold of on the Grace City website. Uh, and that has some wonderful readings uh, each day from Scripture, as well as some devotional thoughts put together by John Thiexen, uh, which will just help to immerse you in the Scriptures that we're talking about. They'll also um, bring you into understanding a few of the other kings that we don't get to touch on in this series, and some thoughts to guide you in reflecting uh, and bringing you into the presence of God as you think about how these kings ultimately point you towards Jesus, who is the King of Kings. So we're going to jump into the series this morning. Uh, we're going to look at the first king of Israel today, the very first king of Israel, and his name was Saul. Now, you've just heard, seen a news feed video of this particular incident in Saul's life, uh, even though the focus uh, in, that, in that video was on David, the Renaissance man, uh, but you, you uh, would have recognized that the story was around Saul throwing his spear at David uh, at a certain point. And I'll touch on that story in a little while, but I want to ground our time today in a different story, in another text that happens earlier in Saul's life. Uh, and we'll, we'll work from there. Saul's story takes up uh, a big chunk of the Bible. It takes up a lot of the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, and so we won't be able to cover it all, but I want to take you to a passage that I think shows us a lot about who Saul is and highlights an issue that really is central to understanding the person of Saul uh, and some of where he goes off track. So let me read this passage for you. It's from 1 Samuel chapter 10, uh, and I'll read from verse 17. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God who saves you out of all your disasters and calamities. And you have said, No, appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. When Samuel had all Israel come forward by tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought forward the, tri the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was taken. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was taken, but when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, 
Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, Yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. They ran and brought him out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the people. Then the people shouted, Long live the king! Now, I feel like I can relate to the story in some ways because we have a child who loves to hide. We've got an eight-year-old boy, and he is just a legendary hider. Uh, you cannot beat him at hide-and-seek. He will win every time. Uh, he's got a particular knack for hiding at bedtime. That's his favorite time to hide. Understandably, if you're an eight-year-old boy, that's what you do. Uh, the, other, the other week I was in the car. His name's Ezra. And Ezra and I, uh, we, we'd gone to pick our other son up from, um, from school. I had to leave Ezra in the car for a few minutes, walk down the road, come back. When I came back, Ezra was gone. Uh, although so it seemed and I looked around my first thought was that he'd done a runner he just wasn't anywhere what it turns out that he'd done is he'd managed to climb over the back seat of the car into the boot and then not just into the boot but he'd then lifted up the bucket compartment of the boot managed to get himself into that space like way down the bottom of the boot and then closed that lid over the top of himself so even when you open the boot up you can't see him uh, so that was, that was pretty legendary although we, we could have potentially left him there all day uh, and so one day, I'm sure he will, he'll be listed as a missing person, probably, in his lifetime, and it was just be because he's found the perfect hiding place somewhere. So I know a thing or two about hidden children, but what we have in this passage is this intriguing story of a hidden king, which is quite bizarre, uh, and it makes for a really fascinating narrative. We've got this king, King Saul. And just to set the scene here for you, he's the first king of Israel. Israel has demanded a king. Uh, this wasn't God's purpose for them at this point, but Israel has demanded a king of Samuel and of God, and God grants their request, even though this is coming out of a lack of faith on the part of the people. God allows them to have a king, and he directs the prophet Samuel to anoint the first king of Israel, who is Saul, son of Kish. And Saul, we are told, uh, was head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel, literally. He was a really tall guy. Uh, he was a good-looking guy. And so on the outside, Saul is everything that you would assume a king should be. He had the right exterior. He had this look about him that you would, you would say, this is the kind of guy you can imagine leading the monarchy of Israel. Uh, but as, as we see in the story, um, Saul's outward appearance didn't match what was going on on the inside. And so you have this moment here where Samuel gathers all the people together. And there is like a public coronation of Saul, which is really a public choosing of the king. Even though he's already been chosen, uh, God now is officially, publicly choosing Saul as the king. And this is done by lot, the rolling of the lot, the dice or the stones. And gradually, uh, the whole community of Israel is whittled down and down. It's first, it's the tribe of Benjamin. And then from Benjamin, it's the clan of Matri. And then from Matri, it's whittled down, maybe down to a family grouping. And then eventually, uh, the lot designates this one man, Saul. This is going to be the king. And at that moment, everyone's looking around, and Saul's not there. And they don't know what to do. So they roll the lot again, hoping that God will tell them where Saul is. Uh, and this time God speaks and says he has hidden himself among the supplies. It's verse 22, which is the, the supplies. This was the area where you would bring your bags 
bring your luggage. People would have traveled from out of town and, and there's, there's a whole area there where people would have left these bags. And so a couple of people would have gone off, had a look in this area. And sure enough, hiding among the luggage is Saul. Uh, and I, I like to imagine that maybe he didn't hide very well because he was so tall. He, he was probably popping up above the luggage. Um, but that's where he was. Uh, and, and you just think, I mean, think about that picture. Here is the future king of Israel and he's cowering behind the luggage. He's hiding among the suitcases. And so they bring him out and he's presented publicly before the people. Probably most people that day wouldn't have realized what was going on. The public relations machine kept rolling and Saul was still presented before Israel and everyone shouted, long live the king. But I can imagine Samuel, the prophet, looking over at Saul that day and just wondering, what kind of king is this? What have we got ourselves in for here? What kind of reign is this going to be? The future king of Israel hiding among the bags. As you look at the passage, it doesn't tell us specifically why Saul was hiding that day, but it's not hard to work out. And if you've read any more of Saul's story in 1 Samuel, it's not hard to piece together that Saul was a really insecure man. And that's what we see here. Uh, he's nervous, he's afraid of what God's calling him into, and he seems like a guy that throughout most of his adult life was very unsure of who he was. He just didn't seem to have a strong sense of himself. He didn't have a strong self-identity. He didn't have a lot of self-confidence. He didn't have a high self-esteem. He just didn't seem to have a strong center of gravity, really didn't know who he was, uh, in a sense. This deep, deep insecurity. We don't know where it came from. Maybe it came from his dad. His dad was a very strong man, a man of valor, he's described as. Uh, maybe that Saul wilted under the, the domination of his father. We don't know. I don't want to over-psychoanalyze him. But we know that he was a deeply insecure person. And we know that that insecurity manifests itself in Saul's life in a number of ways. Sometimes, like here, uh, it, it means Saul runs away and he hides. He runs away from a situation that he's afraid of. Uh, other times, it's the opposite. Other times in Saul's life, it's like he overcompensates and he tries to be the tough guy and he makes decisions, big, bold, brash decisions really quickly. And they end up being bad decisions because he's trying to be the man. He's trying to be the king. He's trying to be someone he's not. And again, that's just masking an insecurity that he has. Uh, and other times, and this is where the, the scene of Saul throwing his spirit, David comes in. Other times, Saul is comparing himself to people. And he's feeling threatened. He's threatened by David. He's threatened by this, this young boy who has the favor of God upon his life. This young man who is popular and successful and wins battles and has victories. And Saul sees David as a threat to his throne, as a threat to his power, as a threat to his own identity. And so he tries to take his life. All of this is grounded in a deep sense of personal insecurity that Saul had. And I don't know about you, I can relate to this. It, it's, it's not hard to relate to Saul, I think, because what Saul struggles with is something we all struggle with. I mean, this is, this is just a very human thing to experience. Feelings of inadequacy. You've felt that, haven't you? Times that we feel incompetent. We feel unqualified. We feel like we're not enough. We feel like we don't belong. We feel imposter syndrome sometimes. Have you felt that? You know, that, that sense that you're not as confident as other people think you are. You're not as competent as other people think you are. That's imposter syndrome. We feel this. 
We feel these insecurities. I, I feel this as a preacher. You might think, well, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a preacher. I'm speaking to all of these people. Listen, us preachers sometimes are the most insecure people. We've got all of our own feelings of insecurity, and we compare ourselves to each other just like everybody else. We all struggle with this stuff, don't we? Let's just be honest. I know, you, you know, you, 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 can, you can put on the church face, and you can, you can come to church or you can watch online and feel like and try to project this idea that you've got it all together and you don't struggle with this stuff. But underneath, we really are just a bunch of very insecure people. And the best thing that we can do is honestly name that and front up to it. Because only then can real healing and freedom be found. Like Saul, our insecurities crop up in all the same ways. Sometimes it's hiding like it was for Saul. Sometimes we hide from situations that we don't like, people we don't like. Uh, sometimes we overcompensate, like Saul. Uh, we try to be the tough person. You know, some of, the, some of the toughest people can be the most insecure people, can't they? Some of the people that have got that exterior that's really severe, they're like a little child on the inside, and that's masking an insecurity. Uh, other times we compare ourselves to each other, or we people please, Saul did a bit of that as well. All of these different ways are just manifestations of the same thing, which are feelings and emotions of insecurity. We all struggle with it. We can relate to this guy. So wh what do we do with this? Uh, how do we find help? Where do we go? I think this passage gives us a clue. There is a clue here as to where we should look. Um, for finding help, for feelings of insecurity. And it's back in verse 22, where God says that Saul has hidden himself among the supplies. I want you to think about that word hidden for a minute. It's a Hebrew word. Uh, it crops up a number of times in the Old Testament. And the first time that that word hidden crops up is all the way back in Genesis 3. It's the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And after Adam and Eve ate from the fruit of the tree... They heard God walking in the garden, and they were afraid of him, and so they hid. It's the same word. And God calls to Adam and Eve and says, where are you? And they said, we, we, we were afraid of you, and, and so we, we hid. And there's these interesting parallels between that story and the hiding of Adam and Eve and this story, the hiding of Saul. Adam was God's representative, Saul was God's representative. Adam hides among the trees. Saul hides among the baggage. God goes looking for Adam. The Israelites go looking for Saul. There's an interesting interplay between these texts, if you can, if you can hear that. And what this reminds us is that our insecurities are connected to our relationship with God. This is not just a human issue. It's not just about going to some assertiveness training course or doing some mindfulness or whatever. Those things may have their place. But this is about understanding our relationship with God affects our insecurities. The root of all insecurity is back in the garden, back in Genesis 3, when human beings first hid themselves from God. And we keep hiding, don't we? We keep hiding from God. That's our biggest problem. Not that we hide from each other, but that we hide from God. And when we hide from God, we become detached from him, and then we lose a sense of who we are. That's where our insecurities come from. And what this tells us is that the road back from insecurity towards deep, true, lasting security is the road of coming back to God. 
It's the path of leading our hearts back into the presence of God, back into communion with God, back into genuine encounter with God, back into abiding with God, letting God draw us back into being deeply anchored in His love and His grace because that's where our identity is found and that's where our security is found. And that means bringing all those feelings of insecurity to God and not hiding them. Stop hiding from God. Stop. He knows it all anyway. He sees it all anyway. You can't hide your emotions from Him. So bring it all to God and say, God, this is how I'm feeling. I feel like Saul. I feel insecure. I feel scared. I feel nervous. I, I, I feel like I don't measure up. God, I, I bring that to you. And I just lay that before you. And as we lay it before God, here's the thing. We ask God a really important question. We say to God, God, who do you say I am? That is the most important question that you can ask God. God, who do you say I am? Because when you ask God that question, then you are not focusing on the voices of insecurity, wherever they may come from, voices of your past, voices of your parents, voices, of, voices in your own head, voices maybe of some distorted perception of God that you've got. Then we start tuning into a new voice, and that is the voice of Almighty God who begins to speak over our life and tell us who we truly are. Someone who's really helped me understand the answer to that question, who I am, uh, is a writer named Henry Nouwen. He wrote a wonderful little book called The Life of the Beloved, and he uses, he uses the picture of the baptism of Jesus. And if you can picture that moment, Jesus is baptized, and as Jesus comes up out of the water... The Father speaks over him and tells him who he is. And Henry Nouwen paraphrases those words to say, You are my beloved. My favor rests on you. The words of the Father to the Son. Now, here's the thing. Because we are now in Christ, our identity is wrapped up in Jesus. Uh, our lives are hidden with Christ in God, the Bible tells us. And so now we can hear those same words spoken over our lives. You are my beloved. My favor rests on you. You can hear the Father saying that to you today. You are his beloved son. You are his beloved daughter. His favor rests on you. Can you hear him saying that to you? Are you willing to open your heart and hear that? Because that is the beginning of freedom. That's the path away from insecurity towards a deep and lasting security in our life is to hear God say, you are my beloved. I, I, that, that phrase is a mantra in my life. I live into those words my whole life I see as a journey of living into my belovedness in God. I want to live out of that place. And when I hear that word, that opens up a whole lot of other words that God speaks over our lives in Scripture, where he says, you are loved and you are chosen and you are blessed and you are made fearfully, wonderfully. You are formed. You are called. You are ransomed. You are redeemed. You are reconciled. You're accepted. You are destined for glory. Uh, you, God says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I've placed my hand upon your life. You are mine. That's what he's speaking to you. If we're willing to tune in and start listening to that, the voice of the Father becomes primary. And these other voices of insecurity, they fade into the background. They're just background noise now. Those aren't the voices you have to listen to. Don't tune into those voices. Don't let those voices control you. Send them away and tune into the voice of the Father telling you just how beloved you are. There's a woman named Mandy Smith 
who Anna and I know. She's a, a wonderful pastor and author living in Brisbane. And I heard her tell the story the other day of a really tough experience she went through a few years ago. She was in a meeting on Zoom, and uh, it, was a, it was a group meeting. And as she was sitting there, one of the people in this meeting just started to accuse her of these things, some really tough things, um, and publicly, everyone else listening. And this person was just firing these accusations at her one after another. Um, so difficult, so painful for her to hear. And she couldn't leave the meeting. She couldn't switch off. She just had to sit there and listen to it and take it. And it was incredibly hard. She says as she listened to that, to that person, she was just kind of doodling away on a bit of paper. You know how you do in Zoom meetings? You're just sort of maybe drawing something, writing something. Half the time you don't even know what you're doing. And then at the end, she looked down and she saw what she had drawn. And it was this beautiful picture of herself as a strong, confident, brave woman standing in the presence of Jesus. She had a crown on her head. She had this cape around her, which kind of represented Jesus' presence as she prayed to him in that meeting. Jesus, would you just hide me in you? Would you just absorb everything that's coming at me? And would you just envelop me in your love? And she had, without even consciously thinking about it, drawn herself as God saw her. There was something in her spirit that just recognized that. And she said that's a moment for her of just coming back to who she was, back to her identity in Christ. You know, those feelings of insecurity, they're not always going to go away. I wish I could tell you they were. I wish I could promise you that they'll, they'll never be there again. But I feel those feelings from time to time. They, they do come up. They do surface, don't they? Especially in those difficult situations. But even though the feelings might remain for a while, when you find your identity in God and you live into your belovedness in Him, those feelings no longer define you. Those feelings no longer name you. They don't tell you who you are anymore. God tells you who you are. And He says, you are my beloved child. And the more that we listen to that voice, the more freedom that we find. The more that we listen to that voice, the more that we can start to come out of hiding. You think about what Saul needed to do that day. Come out from behind the baggage. Come out from behind the luggage. That's what God's saying to you this morning. He's saying, I want to free you from these, the sense of insecurity, and I want to call you out. I want to call you out of hiding. Some of you are hiding today. I want you to think about what you're hiding from. I want you to take a step out from behind the luggage. Take a step out from behind the baggage. Do what Saul should have done and come out of hiding. Some of you are hiding from people. You're hiding from situations you don't like and you're fleeing. Your flight mechanism is kicking in. And God's saying you to, to, to you today, I want you to come out from behind that. I want you to step into the, the space I'm calling you to. I want you to step into that meeting. I want you to talk to that person. I don't want you, to, you don't need to run away anymore. God's with you. He's got you. Some of you are hiding behind addictions today. And God's saying, I want to bring freedom into your life. You don't need to hide who you are behind these habits and addictions anymore. Some of you are hiding behind your phones and God's saying, it's time to put that down and look up and live and embrace who you are in me. Some of you are hiding behind being people pleasers and you're just doing what everyone wants you to do, saying what everyone wants you to say, thinking what everyone wants you to think. And God is saying to you today, come out of hiding. Let your true self created in the image of God be seen by me and by others. And some of you today are comparing you're comparing yourself to other people and you constantly fall short and you hate yourself because of it and you hate them because of it and it, make, it just knots you up inside and God is saying today, let that person go. Forget about them. Don't worry about them. 
You release them. And you thank God for who he has made you to be. You thank him for what he has given you. You thank him for the task that he's put in front of you. You thank him for how he has created you. And you embrace who he has made you in Jesus Christ. That's your identity. Live out of that space. Make that your defining center. Come out of the hiding of comparison and contrasting yourself with other people. That's not a healthy space to live. And so right here at the beginning of the series, I want to invite you to open your heart to what God is saying to you today through his word. I want to invite you to open yourself to what God might be wanting to do through the series over the nine weeks ahead and just come back to what is most fundamental in our faith and in your life, who God is, that he is your loving heavenly father who loves you with an everlasting love. Some of you just need to let that sink into your bones this morning. And who you are. Let God today remind you. Come to him and and have the boldness to ask him that question. God, who do you say I am? Would you remind me again of who I am, how you see me, not who I see myself as, not how other people see me, but who you say that I am. Man, imagine how much different Saul's life would have been. If he'd asked that question, imagine how much different his whole reign would have been if he could have seen himself as God saw him rather than how everyone else saw him. Imagine how different the whole story could have been. Your story can be different because you can answer and ask that question of God today. And as we hear God speak over our lives, you are my beloved. My favor rests on you. Let that voice fill your soul and let it call you out of hiding and into the wonderful presence of God where you are cherished and held in his loving arms of grace. Live out of that place. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of true identity. It's a place of real security. May you be blessed in that. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the story of Saul and God, even though it's a cautionary tale in some ways, we just hear in this story, the way that you are wanting to build a deeper sense of security and identity into our lives. And I pray, God, for everyone watching this today, that, God, you'd speak into their heart a fresh sense of who they are in you. Lord, whatever voices of insecurity we've allowed ourselves to listen to, whatever voices are now rolling around in our head and becoming so entrenched, God, would you just allow those to fade into the background? Would you just now allow those to become the white noise? And and God, would your voice be the dominant voice of truth that we listen to? We, We know these things, God, but I want to pray today would be a moment when we allow your voice, your truth, to sink into the deepest fiber of our being with new power and new depth. May we live in the freedom of your love, your goodness, and the security of who you've made us in Jesus Christ all the days of our lives. We pray this, God, for your glory and in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.